0: Andy Earl. We're here today with Dr. Stephen R. Gundry talking about how to increase our energy levels. Dr. Gundry is the director of the International Heart and Lung Institute in Palm Springs, California, and the founder and director of the Center for Restorative Medicine in Palm Springs and Santa Barbara. After a distinguished surgical career as a professor and chairman of cardiothoracic surgery at Loma Linda University, Dr. Gundry changed his focus to curing modern diseases via dietary changes. He's the author of the New York Times bestsellers, The Plant Paradox, The Plant Paradox Cookbook, The Longevity Paradox, The Plant Paradox Family Cookbook, and... The new book, The Energy Paradox, What to Do When Your Get Up and Go Has Got Up and Gone. We're going to look at how we can have more mental clarity and focus and actually increase our life by 11 years by making some changes in the way that we eat and specifically in the timing of our meals and in understanding how our gut microbiome works and how it communicates. And we're going to talk about how you can encourage your teenagers uh, gradually, one step at a time, to eat healthier foods. Dr. Gundry, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This book, that I just got through here is the energy paradox, what to do when your get up and go has got up and gone. And I also really enjoyed plant paradox and also the longevity paradox um, from you. And you know I have this cookbook actually, this uh, plant paradox cookbook Uh, I've had for about the past year now, and uh, really some awesome recipes in there. So super excited to cover some of these topics. Why uh, is now, why are you writing about energy? What makes this topic so
1: important for your third book? Well, uh, interestingly enough, I think most people would admit, maybe particularly because of COVID, that we're in the midst of an energy crisis. And uh, years and years ago, when I first started my restorative medicine practice, about half the people that came into my office uh, would carry a diagnosis that we called fatigue and malaise. Mm. And that's a fancy way of saying that they're exhausted. Yeah,
0: right. And,
1: you know, it became such a common thing that I, I really kind of forgot uh, about that code because one of the things I found when people started following the plant paradox and the subsequent books is we no longer needed that code for fatigue and malaise because they right away said gee you know one of the weird things about this is holy cow you know I, I forgot what it feels like to you know to have normal energy yeah and I think one of the things that's happened to all of us is we've really forgotten what normal feels like. And since your show is, uh, is aimed at parents of teenagers, one of the fascinating things is that the parents and the teenagers have been living in a time Where a couple things never happened to previous generations, including my generation. And that is uh, two things the broad spectrum antibiotic use that we all take, we give to our kids every time they have a sore throat or, or, or a hurting ear. Right. And For the first time in generations, almost all the animals that we eat have been fed antibiotics Uh, to make them grow faster and bigger. And what none of us really knew before the Human Microbiome Project and discovering all these hundreds of trillions of bacteria that live in our gut, none of us realized that these antibiotics were killing the microbiome and the antibiotics that we were feeding our animals were in the flesh of the animals. And then when we ate a piece of chicken or pork sandwich or something, we were eating those antibiotics and killing off the microbiome. And, And one of the points I try to make in the energy paradox is surprisingly, so much of our energy production is actually dependent on messages we get from the microbiome. Um, these what are called postbiotics, and we'll probably talk about that, but we now know there are literally messages that go back and forth between our microbiome and our brain and our energy-producing organelles, the mitochondria. So that's number one. The second thing is also a thing that parents and kids of the current generations have always been exposed to, and that's glyphosate, which is Roundup. Uh, Most people still have the impression that Roundup is only sprayed on GMO foods. And, and everybody's kind of cautious. You know, you see on the label non-GMO, you know, and oh yeah, I, I don't eat GMO foods. Right. <laughs> but what's happened in the last 20 years it turns out that now most conventional crops, non-GMO crops, like wheat, like corn, like oats, like soybeans, like canola, almost you know all of our regular crops are sprayed with Roundup prior to harvest to kill the plant, and it's called desiccation, um, a dead plant is very light compared to a living plant. And it's a whole lot easier to harvest a crop. And you actually save huge amounts of money carrying dried crops around than wet crops around. Right. So the point of it is that the Roundup isn't washed off of our wheat or our oats or our corn. And so it's ground up and fed to us. And it's ground up and fed to our animals. And so we get a double dose uh, daily of, of Roundup. Almost everybody has huge amounts of Roundup that they're blissfully unaware of. Well, why is that important? Roundup is an antibiotic, and Roundup changes the bacteria in our intestines. And number two, as I write about in the book, Roundup in and of itself actually produces leaky gut, which is... One of the main reasons we all have low energy, and we'll talk about that in a minute. The third thing that happens is Roundup seems to block the effects of vitamin D, blocks the mm. effects of thyroid hormone, even blocks some of the effects of the adrenal hormones, like adrenaline, you know, the energy, you know, get up and go. You know, I, I was I was talking with a, a millennial on a podcast fairly recently. And it was about fatigue and being tired, and that millennials are now called the lazy generation. Yeah. And you know, there's there's nothing lazy about millennials. But the fact is, millennials—they've been continuously exposed Mm. to antibiotics and glyphosate, uh, really, for the first time in their lives. And it's it's actually a pretty scary experiment. So the next time we go, gee, you know. Where's all my energy? Those are a couple of good places to look.
0: I thought it was really interesting what you uh, are talking here about a population of people living in the savanna woodlands of northern Tanzania called the Hadza's talk about some researchers that were studying the Hadza's. And I guess, I guess particularly because they're really, really a healthy people they are super in shape. And um, I guess what, what you say that the results were really counterintuitive. What, why is that? Or what was it that they found about these people that was so interesting?
1: Yeah. So uh, this was a team of Duke researchers and I've actually had them on my uh, podcast, the Dr. Ah. podcast. And so they're, the reason they wanted to study the Hadzas is is that, yeah, these, these guys are one of the last hunter gatherers on earth. And you know, they, uh, the men walk eight to 10 miles every day in search of game. The women walk oh four to five miles gathering berries and digging up tubers and actually collecting honey. Yeah, And you're right. They're very fit. They're very healthy. They don't have any of the traditional Western diseases. But so these researchers said, gee, you know, I'll bet you these guys are so fit because they're always on the move. They're walking, they're they're burning up calories. And I'll bet you that if we look at their energy expenditure in a 24-hour period, it's going to be a lot higher than a desk worker who's just sitting at their desk. Yeah, they're chasing
0: game around. They're like building tools out of things or making their dwellings and having to yeah. skin
1: game they're having to work yeah
0: <laughs> we just right? walk on down to the cafeteria downstairs and buy a snickers bar yeah
1: that's exactly right and so you know they were they set out to prove that yeah. in fact you know we're sitting on our rear ends and uh we're not expending any energy and that's why we're also fat okay so yeah you know, that's a good hypothesis that sounds good. well yeah The problem was when they actually measured the energy expenditure of uh, the desk workers, it was exactly the same as if they had been walking (laughs) eight to 10 miles a day. And so, you know, I've been a researcher all my life, and sometimes when our hypothesis doesn't meet with our expectations, what we're supposed to do is say, well, our hypothesis was wrong, yeah. and let's look for why it was wrong. But yeah. what they said was, oh, we, have, we were right. It turns out that all, all human beings expend the exact same amount of energy, uh, no matter what they're doing. Uh, having, you know, I've certainly walked eight to 10 miles uh, on my hikes. And I can tell you that I certainly expend a whole lot more energy yeah, than sitting here talking to you. And the treadmill so that,
0: tells you how many calories you're burning while you're on there. And it's, right. a, it's a good number. Yeah, so that
1: doesn't pass the sniff test. Doesn't
0: seem to make sense. No. Yeah.
1: So I said, uh, let's look at this a different way okay, let's, the desk workers are expending tremendous amounts of energy, but it's certainly not in, you know, productive exercise muscles. Yeah. So where's it going? Exactly. And when you look at chronic inflammation, most people now are aware that we're, we're blaming most of the bad things that happen to us, most diseases on chronic inflammation. And What's important to realize is that chronic inflammation has to have a source. Yeah. It doesn't just miraculously magically happen. Yeah, magically, yeah. <laughs> we all have chronic inflammation right. and the Hanses don't. Right. So I and others, particularly Dr. Fasano, who's a researcher at uh, now Harvard, has shown that a leaky gut, which it used to be the pseudoscientific term, actually is one of the major causes of chronic inflammation. And so when we look at these uh, desk workers, and I see tons of them in my clinics, they're they're on fire with inflammation. All of their markers of inflammation are, are sky high. And so inflammation is our immune system literally doing battle with, the enemies it perceives and give you a great example with COVID-19 many people hear about the cytokine storm of of COVID-19 where you know all of a sudden we get really sick and this is you know inflammation taken to the nth degree and inflammation is literally a forest fire in our body And inflammation is really good when we're under attack by a virus or bacteria. But everyday inflammation is not supposed to happen. So when when we're under attack, we actually divert almost all of our energy that would normally go to our muscles, that would normally go to our brain, to think, to our immune system. And 80% of our immune system actually is inside of our bellies, that's where, that's where they live because most of the mischief is gonna come through the walls of our gut, through leaky gut. So when you put that into the equation, it's number one, no wonder that the right. energy expenditure of the desk workers is as high as the odds is. But number two, it now explains why so many of us uh, eating a Western diet you know, our get up and go has got up and gone um, because our muscles aren't getting the fuel they need. Our brain isn't getting the fuel they need. And, you know, I see, I see young people, I see teenagers with brain fog. And it's like, what the heck? You know, you're a 13-year-old girl. You're not supposed to have brain fog. You're, yep. you know, you're supposed to be able to do geometry problems much better than I was ever able to do. Right. And yet, you know, they have problems remembering things and ah. and parents go, oh, you know, she's a slacker or my, my son, all he wants to do is play video games and he's a slacker. And, but I'm telling you that there's actually, you know, a legitimate reason why mm-hmm. these are happening to, to our kids and actually to parents. <laughs>
0: say that the gut plays host to approximately 70 to 80 percent of your immune cells. So a lot of the immune system is really, really tied in with um, your microbiome of your gut, I guess. Correct. Uh, why is that
1: or how does that work? That's, that's a great question. So up until about, uh, well, it's been a little over 10 years ago now, the Human Microbiome Project it was a project to uh, basically identify uh, all these creatures that were living uh, inside of our gut, that were living inside of our mouth, our nose, on our skin. Yeah, It turns out that we thought the gut was just kind of a hollow tube and, you know, we'd eat food and our enzymes would break the food down and then we'd absorb it and then whatever was left over we'd poop out and that was the end of the story and basically I was taught that in medical school uh, years ago Right. so when the human microbiome project came out they said wait a minute There, we found 10,000 different organisms living in your gut and what we've learned subsequently is that they actually have more control over our fate, our future, than our own genes. We actually, you know, we think we're pretty cool and that, you know, we're obviously, you know, the highest creature on earth. And you would think if that was the case that we would have the most genes of a stalk of corn has more genes than <laughs> a human. Yeah. And we don't even have the most genes of an animal. The, that goes to the sand flea that you can actually see on the beach. So, <laughs> so when people realize this, they say, wait a minute, what, you know, what, what are we doing? Well, any parent and any kid knows about how we upload information up to the cloud, right? For computing yeah, power. Right. And bacteria, have divide rapidly and they're actually a lot of us believe we've uploaded our information processing power to this bacteria cloud to our microbiome and the microbiome in turn says okay you know here's the information we want the immune system to know uh, we've got your back immune system we're your first line of defense. If you know any bad things are coming down here, we're going to eat them up. We'll block them one way or another. And I've talked yeah. about this in other books. And so the immune system normally would get educated, literally educated by these trillions of organisms going, okay, here's what you should be worried about. Here's what we've got. Right. Well, what's happened now, particularly to parents and and kids is this whole microbiome that would normally teach our immune system what's good and what's bad has been slaughtered. Mm. They can't do their job of protecting us against the things we eat. And the immune system, rather than getting messages to chill out all the time, is now constantly bombarded with what it perceives to be threats. And so the immune system is always on hyper alert, like never before. So let me give you a great example that I used actually in my original book. Humans carry a preformed antibody and most people now have heard about antibodies because of COVID, yeah. you know, you get a shot and you make antibodies. So humans have a preformed antibody to the peanut lectin, a protein in peanuts. 95% of us. Now, when I was growing up, there was no such thing as a peanut allergy. We all right. took peanut butter and jelly to, to school. They passed out peanuts on airplanes. <laughs> and, and you know, nobody was dying right. from eating a peanut or even, you know, a peanut powder in the air. Now, of course, you know, we have an epidemic of kids with such scary peanut allergies that you know they're carrying they're carrying epi to school as as if as if this was normal so what's the difference we've always had those antibodies to recognize the peanut protein as a troublemaker but when i was growing up there weren't any antibiotics fed our animals there weren't any broad spectrum antibiotics period and there wasn't any roundup so our immune system was actually educated that oh yeah that, that's a peanut protein and yeah i know you don't like it but you know calm down you don't have to you don't have to worry about it. it's not ah, as bad as you think it is yeah now our immune system has never been given that message and now the vast majority of us have a leaky gut that has put our immune system on you know on high alert. So now when it sees a peanut, you know, protein, it goes, oh my gosh, you know, kill it. Uh, And we get these kids in anaphylactic shock, cytokine storm. And so that should be driving home the point that we're really abnormal compared to, to the way we were designed to work. Yeah. When I was in medical school, autoimmune diseases, they existed. Things like rheumatoid arthritis, things like Crohn's disease, uh, things like lupus, psoriasis, but they were incredibly rare. They were so rare that people who were interested in them, there were some blood tests that were called funny tests because you almost never got them because, oh, you know... Uh, we don't know what this is, so let's get the funny test. Uh, but now there's over 60 million Americans that have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Wow. which Yeah. And so this it all goes along. Uh, and I've actually published papers that autoimmune diseases come from leaky gut and a hyperactivated immune system. And the really great thing is in my clinics, over 90% of people with an autoimmune disease when they follow my programs, that autoimmune disease resolves, it goes into remission. All the markers of that disease go away, which is actually, which kind of confirms that our whole problem, our lack of energy, are all these diseases that never occurred before really can be traced to the fact that hippocrates was right 2500 years ago hippocrates the father of medicine he said all disease begins in the gut and he was absolutely right
0: We're here with Dr. Stephen Gundry talking about how we can have better energy levels, enhanced mental clarity and focus, and how we can add 11 years of health to our lives. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second
1: half of the show. These gases that we just thought was your smelly teenagers... It was actually there as a language between the microbiome and our mitochondria and even our brain. So I tell people, you know, hey, let's step on the gas (laughs) and and tell your kids, kids, your brains are going to be so smart because all you do is fart good for you. (laughs) Let her rip. But the teenage years are the opportunity for parents to really make some changes in their teenagers eating habits that will last them a lifetime. most teenagers are going to take high school biology yeah. and most teenagers are going to learn all about the mitochondria which are the little power plants of the cells yeah and right. these power plants make atp which is our energy currency that we spend yeah so mitochondria can normally take sugar glucose and convert it into atp via what's called the electron transport chain. And there won't be a test on this today, but you're going to have to learn it for (laughs) high school biology. And they can also take fats, free fatty acids, and do the same thing. Okay. And they can also take proteins, amino acids, and do the same thing. Normally, when we used to eat food whole, these different components, sugar, proteins, fats would arrive at our mitochondria at separate times, different times for processing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And the mitochondria said, would go, oh, you know, here comes sugar, uh, got it, okay, come on on, we're gonna make ATP. And then yeah. normally next would be proteins, amino acids. Okay, yeah. got it, come on in, let's make ATP. And finally, actually way down the line would become fats. What we've done with ultra processed foods, is we've broken down all these carbohydrates into simple sugars we've broken uh, down all these proteins like a tough cut of meat yeah. and made it protein isolates or whey protein right. and then we've broken
0: out. Oh, fats so it's and like actually the time the time release the natural time release mechanism of gone. these things we messed it all up and now they just we've all kind of up. like hit at the wrong times
1: or right like and a, so you yeah, know i yeah. so i live in the you know suburbs of la and so it's like and anybody knows la rush hour traffic yeah um it's like rush hour traffic in our mm-hmm. mitochondria yep. when we eat all these things and the mitochondria it says wait a minute yeah Whoa. now there's sugars there's proteins there's fats and they're all trying to get it into here and everything just literally slows to a grind just mm-hmm. like rush hour yeah. And our energy slows to a grind. And so, I so many see. people tell me, well, you know, I went to a fast food place for lunch or I had it sent in. And doggone it, at two o'clock in the afternoon, all I want to do is, is put my head down on my computer and go there. a cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah, I need right. something. Well, that's because this fast food has fast hit our mitochondria. Right. And everything slows to a crawl. Mm-hmm.
0: Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening.